James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicings is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. None of us knows what the future holds. We're at the very beginning of a new year. Somebody said in the Sunday school class this morning, we just hope it's better than the last year. We always hope that the new year is better than the year before. Our nephew put something on Facebook either last night or this morning saying this. He, he, just a picture of a man sitting there just sort of you know, like that, stone-faced. He said, this is me when it turns from 11.59 to midnight. You know, there's, what's the change? It's just another day. And so some people look at it that way. We may speculate what this year will bring. We may have some ideas. We may have some fears about what this year could bring. I noticed over the last few days of 2022 that gasoline prices rose dramatically. That scares me about 2023, okay? Just a little bit. But we may speculate on what it's going to bring, but we do not know. We may hope, and hopefully most of us have some hopes for this year. Maybe we've set some goals. Maybe we have a desire. I'm going to be more faithful to the Lord. I'm going to spend more time in the Word of God. And by the way, I'm going to encourage you to read through the Bible this year. But if you just read four chapters from God's Word a day, just four a day, you can read through the Bible in less than a year. And so I would encourage you to do that. Maybe somebody, that's their goal, that's their desire, spend more time in the Word of God. Whatever our hopes for, I pray that God will bless them, that we'll see those things happen. I would dare to say, if some of us could have, at the start of 2022, looked ahead to that year, we might have been a little bit frightened, we might have been a little bit discouraged, whatever it may be. There may be some things that we would have avoided. You know, hindsight, they say, is always 2020, and I believe it is. Looking back, I can always see things I wish I hadn't done, and I can always see things I wish I had done. So there may have been some things that we can now say in the beginning of a new year, I wish I hadn't have done that last year, and there may be some things that we would say, I wish I had done this differently and handled this situation or that situation differently. It's a part of human nature, folks, to want to know what tomorrow holds for us. Just to have an idea of what I'm going to have to face tomorrow. You know, millions of dollars are spent each year on so-called psychics, and most of them are not, seers and fortune tellers, because people want to know the future. And so they'll spend great sums of money. I've always wanted to call up one of these psychics, you know, where you dial in. And, and when they say, what's your name? I'm going to say, you ought to know that. Amen. And when they say, can I have your credit card number? I say, you ought to know that. You know, if you're as good as you claim to be, you already know this information. But people spend a lot of money on that because they want to know what tomorrow holds. There are people who will daily, and I hope none of you here do this, there are people who will daily check the horoscopes, and then they'll guide their lives by what they read in the horoscopes. 
You know, it's things like that that has made, and this is the only people I see ads for. That's what's made California Psychic so popular. You know, you see ads for them all the time on the television because people want to know what tomorrow holds. For some, the future is a place of optimism. It's going to be better this year. I just, I can feel it in my bones. Some, it's a place of anticipation. For others, it's a place of pessimism. I really dread this next year, and I'm afraid of what it's going to hold. I become miserable. Depending upon our outlook, our future is either very bright or it's very dark. It just depends on how we look at it. And those of us who know the Lord as Savior, those of us who are trusting God, who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think we ought to go into the new year with a very bright, very optimistic outlook, knowing that we have a Lord and a Savior who is never going to leave us or forsake us, regardless of what happens in our day-to-day -day lives. Regardless of what the government does, regardless of what religion does, regardless of what the world does, our Lord is going to be with us. And so we need to go into the future with a plan. I hope we have a plan as a church. We want to grow. We want to see God add to our number. I mentioned to the Sunday school class, and the statistics are staggering if you think about them. If each person here this week led one person to the Lord and had them come next Sunday, our number would be doubled. You say, well, it's obvious, preacher. I realize that, but just look at how many are here today and then double that. And then they did it the next week and doubled that. We'd be outgrowing this building in just a short period of time. We need to have a plan. And James offers us some reminders as we're going into this new year. And that's in these verses that we read. And we're going to look at them this morning. First of all, the future is clouded by human speculation. The future is clouded by human speculation. Look at verse 14. Well, verse 13. First of all, he says, Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we're going to such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And then he says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then he says this, ask the question, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. You can go out. We probably won't have a frosty morning for a few days. If the weather forecast is right, we go out on a frosty morning and go, <sighs> and just watch that little vapor hang there for a second. And then it's gone. Folks, that's our lives. You know, I'm getting a year older this year and it doesn't seem I should be that old. We'll be married another year this year and it doesn't seem we shouldn't be married that long. What has happened? Time has passed. The vapor has appeared and the vapor is slowly dissipating before us. If you go to the seventh chapter of the book of Job and look at verses six and seven, Job describes his life. First of all, he says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now, I don't know. I've never seen a weaver's shuttle, I guess, in, in person. I may have seen it on some film or something on television, but it's pretty quick. And Job says, that's how fast life passes us by. And then he says this. He says, my life is wind. Just think about, there's a breeze blowing this morning. Just think about the wind and how it passes. It's here and it's gone. I told the Sunday school class I don't often do this, but it made me think of a song I played many years ago when I was on the radio. The title of it is Dust in the Wind, and it says, All we are is dust in the wind. And the very first line of that song says, I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. I want you to do something for me this morning. Everyone, 
And I'll count it off. Close your eyes for five seconds. Okay, starting now. Just close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Just close your eyes for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, open them. What happened in that five seconds? You don't know. But you know what? You can never get those five seconds back. In those five seconds, I moved from there to here. Things happened in those five seconds, but they're gone. We can never recover those five seconds. People say, well, it won't hurt me to miss church today. I'll come next Sunday. But you missed the service and the worship of God today, and you can never get it back. I could go next Sunday and preach the same message, and people would say, well, I, I heard the message you preached. No, you didn't. It was different. That moment has passed. That opportunity is gone. And that's what Job is saying. I close my eyes and then I open them, but time has passed. In Job chapter 9, he says his days are swifter than a post. That word post has the idea of a footman running hastily, carrying a message. And that's how quickly Job says my days pass. I don't know about you these days. It seems like time passes faster the older I get. I get up in the morning. I usually start at the computer around 6.30 in the morning. So if you call at 10 o'clock, don't ask, did I wake you? I may sound like I'm asleep, and maybe I went to sleep at the computer, but you didn't wake me. But I start about 6.30, and before I know it, you know what? It's noon. Where did the time go? It went by so quickly. And then maybe take a little bit of time to eat lunch and go back, and before I know it, it's 5 o'clock. Time just passes so swiftly, and Job says it's like a post. He says his days are passed away like the swift ships. If you've ever watched the ships out on the ocean, especially those in that day that were driven by the wind, and they have a good wind behind them, they just move so rapidly. And then he says his days are like the eagle swooping down to get its prey. Now, I've never seen that in person, but I've seen some videos of it. And how quickly the eagle just swoops down and grabs its prey. And he says, then he says, they flee away, my days flee away, and they see no good. Job says, time's passing, folks. Opportunities to witness, opportunities to serve God, opportunities to lead people to Christ, opportunities for the lost to be saved. It's going by so quickly. Just like these things that he has named. And in Job 14:1, he said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We all know people who have lived, maybe you do, probably you do, know people who have lived 80, 90 years, maybe 100 years, but that's just a few days on the scope of eternity. And he says, not only that, it's full of difficulty, it's full of trial, it's full of trouble, and then he says, well, those days, they come forth like a flower and are cut down. Now, the picture here, I think, is of just the mower out mowing, and the flower springs up, and Unless it's bahia grass. <laughs> I don't think you can ever cut that down, you know. But he says, this is what my days are like. The flower that springs up and then the mower comes along and cuts it down. He says, it's like a shadow. And your shadow's here for a moment and then your shadow's gone. So Job tells us life is brief. And Job tells us that life is fleeting. And the truth is, there's not a one of us that knows exactly how long we will live. Amen. Visit a cemetery. It's interesting to walk through a cemetery, you know, because of performing funeral services. I have opportunity many times to be in a cemetery and maybe get there a little early and just walk through and, and look at the markers in the cemetery and see how old people were when they passed away. And some are very old. 
And some are very young. You read the obituaries. That's one of my habits. Read the obituaries. There's fewer of them in the paper these days. You have to go to the funeral home website to do that. But read the obituaries and look at the ages of people that have passed away. And they're not all old people as we would term, or many young people would term those of us who are our age or a little bit younger. They're not all old people. Many of them are young people. Hebrews 9.27, you're familiar with that verse of Scripture, reminds us that as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Do you realize we all have an appointment with death? We all have an appointment with death. And listen, you may be late for an appointment on this earth. You may cancel an appointment on this earth, but you're going to keep that appointment Hebrews 9.27 talks about, and you're not going to be late. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We would do well to consider what might come during the next year. Illness might come. Our flesh is weak, and our flesh is prone to weakness. Death eventually comes to all. Our mother used to have this saying, we're all going to die if we live long enough. It's a very accurate saying. But death comes to everybody. Tragedy, accidents occur, injuries occur, illness occurs. But the one thing that could occur that I want to talk about the most for just a moment is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4, remember Paul said, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I really think Paul expected to be caught up to Christ, with Christ in his lifetime. And how many times do we as God's people, we as God's people, not talking about the world, not talking about lost people, how many times do we as God's people plan our days, our weeks, our months, our years, and don't even give thought to this could be the year that Jesus comes back? We ought to live like today is the day that Jesus is going to come back. He's coming. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Jesus is coming back and it could be 2023. It could be January 1st, 2023. I believe that with all of my heart. Jesus is coming again. You know, God's word gives us accounts of people who had their hopes dashed by unexpected things happening. I'll just give you two real quickly. In the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, there's a king called Belshazzar, the grandson of Nehemiah. If you read that fifth chapter, and I may bring a message from that before very long, you read that fifth chapter, he was having a big party. In fact, it lasted days and days and days and months. And he's having this big party, and all of a sudden a hand appears on the wall. You remember that account from Daniel chapter 5? And this hand writes out a message. It says you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is taken away from you and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that night, his kingdom was taken away from him. We think about the rich man in the 12th chapter of the book of Luke. And that rich man had a great harvest. In fact, so good he said, hey, I've got to tear down my barns and I've got to build bigger barns. Man, things are great financially. Things are great for me materially, and I'm just going to live it up. I'm going to say to my soul, you've done well. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take your ease, he said. But what did God say to that man? God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. So we have no guarantee. The future is clouded by human speculation, and denying the possibility of these things will not keep them from taking place. 
Now, the future is also, you look at verse 13, uncontrollable. In verse 13, you see some people who said, or a man who said, we're going to go into such a city. And here's how long I'm going to stay. We're going to continue there a year. And here's what I'm going to do. While I'm there, I'm going to buy and sell and get gain. I've got it planned out. Anybody plan 2023 yet? Here's what I'm going to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with making plans. The thing is, we may make our plans, but we may not see our plans accomplished. I'm going to go into such a city. I'm going to buy and sell and get gain. This is what I am going to do. We may be in charge of certain aspects of our lives, folks, but we're not in charge of every aspect of our lives. Amen. I've heard of people who spent years planning their retirement. They're looking forward to it. In fact, a man that I worked for at one time, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my time in and then I'm going to retire from this. And he didn't live two years after he retired to enjoy his retirement. And I've heard of people like that. They just didn't live long enough to enjoy their retirement. In 1967, to me this is interesting, in 1967 a Senate subcommittee issued the following report concerning the future. People would work now, they gave a date for this, and we're going to share that with you in a moment. But they said people would work only 22-hour weeks. Anybody in favor of that? They would work only 27 weeks per year. Workers would be able to retire at age 38. This was a Senate subcommittee that came out with all of this. And all of this was supposed to happen by the year 1985. Hey, folks, they missed it. They planned, <laughs> they claimed, but they missed it. Human speculation. But also the future is connected to divine supervision. What do we mean by that? Well, just simply everything that we do, everything that we plan comes under the all-seeing eye of God. What does he say here? First of all, in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Again, the idea is we don't know what tomorrow is bringing. Now, I have some plans for tomorrow. We've already made some plans for tomorrow. It's going to be one of those federal holidays, so no work for my wife. And so we have plans for tomorrow, but guess what? Those plans can change. You know, I've said many times in a pastor's life, and I guess in anybody's life, it only takes one phone call to change your plans for an entire day. All it takes is to get one message, one piece of news to change your plans for a day. And we may think we have everything planned out, but that phone may ring tomorrow. So we don't know what's going to happen on the morrow. Here's the concept that we need to understand is we don't have the control over our lives that we think we have over our lives. There's a control to acknowledge. God is in control of all life. The future is in his hand. We don't believe in predestination. We know the Bible doesn't teach the kind of predestination that some people believe. But we do know that our decisions affect our future. And this is what I wish I could get young people to understand. Our decisions affect our future. Decisions have consequences. Whether you're old or whether you're young, decisions have consequences. And it is going to affect what happens in our lives. But God not only holds our lives, but ultimately he is to control our lives. 
We're to depend upon him. We're to trust him. God may allow certain things to come into our lives in this next year. It might be things that we'd say, well, if I had a choice, I wouldn't go through that. But God may allow some things to come into our lives. And some of them may be to grow us in faith, right? The trying of your faith works patience, patience, endurance, endurance, hope. And so God may grow some of us with some difficult times in our lives. He may allow things to happen. And he may keep other things from happening that we might want to happen. And it might also be for our growth as children of God. Our lives, especially as children of God, ought to be dominated by four very special and four very precious words. And James gives them to us right here. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. What is God's will in this matter? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but have you ever made a decision without considering the will of God in it? When you did, did you sometimes regret the decision that you made after you didn't consider the will of God in it? If the Lord wills, if this is what the Lord wants, if, if this is pleasing to Him, we can make our plans, and we should. I don't think there's anything wrong with planning. You know, Joni and I have already talked about where we want to go on vacation, not till October, but where we want to go on vacation in 2023. What we plan to do. Well, that's great if it all works out, if it's the Lord's will, if he allows it. We can make plans, but we need to realize as we make plans, all of our plans are subject to the will of God. And that's what James says right here. He says, you ought to say, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live. That's sobering, isn't it? What if it's God's will that I not live through 2023? What if it's God's will that you not live through 2023? He says, this is the time I'm calling you home. James said, we, we just ought to base all of that, even life itself, up on the will of God. And not only life itself, but what we're going to do, whether we'll do this or that, he says. And so, yes, we can plan, but our plans fall under and are subject to the will of God. Life is more, and again, I wish we had a lot of young people here to hear this. Life is more than making our plans and sitting back and expecting those plans to happen the way we planned it. We live our lives and things don't always work out the way that we want them to work out. So the future is clouded by human speculation, but the future is also under the control of divine supervision and finally, what he says in verses 16 and 17 is that the future is to be committed in faithful satisfaction. Look at verses 16 and 17. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. And then he said, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. We should live for God in the present. You know, if you ever met, there's a lot of folks that do this. I'm going to start serving God one day when I get older. When the kids get grown and out of the house, we'll be faithful to come to church, preacher. When this thing happens, when that thing happens, then I'll start serving God. No, that's not what the Word of God says. We should live for God in the present. He says when we start rejoicing in plans that may never come to pass, here's what I'm going to do six months from now, and I'm going to rejoice in that, and we go on that way. He says it is evil. Boastings here talks about braggadocio, confidence, pride. I am going to do such and such. 
By the way, have you ever said you're never going to do something? First church I pastored. You talk about in the country. It was in the country. Now, I grew up in town, okay? Our nearest neighbors were 250 head of cattle. That's how country we were. All right? I had been out there filling in for the man who was pastor, who was preaching in view of a call somewhere else. And on the way back into town from the country, I told Joni I would never want to pastor a church out in the country like this. Guess what was the first church to call me to preach in view of a call and then called me as pastor? That church. I said, I don't want to. I said, I would never want to. But you know what? God put the want to in my heart when they called me as pastor. I said, this is, this is what God called me to do. And I must do what God called me to do. And so we moved out into the country for six and a half years where our nearest neighbors were either 250 head of cattle or 250,000 mosquitoes. I don't know which it was, but they grew them big out there. It was out in the middle of rice fields. And so don't ever say, I will never do such and such because you might end up doing it. Don't boast on what you're going to do because you in, might end up not doing it. In fact, the word rejoicings again talks about boasting in your plans. I am going. Well, God may stop you. God may allow something in your life to stop you and keep you from doing that. And he says it's evil to just have that boastful attitude that my will and my desire and my plans supersede the hand of God in my life. That's evil. God should be in control of the life of a child of God. And then he says, don't get so caught up in tomorrow that you fail to do what you ought to do today. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Well, I've got tomorrow planned, and I can't have my plans for tomorrow disturbed. We're familiar with Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, aren't we? Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to get to Matthew 6, 33 in just a second. But he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, he said, Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He says, Don't worry about tomorrow today. Don't get caught up in tomorrow today. Make your plans, if the Lord wills, but don't try to live tomorrow today. You know why? You're going to have enough problems today that today's going to be full. All right? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You may have problems tomorrow, but you're going to have to face today first. You've got to live right now first. And so we live each day for God. And then he says, instead of worrying about tomorrow today, our dad used to say he borrowed from, you know, worries from tomorrow and put them on today. Anybody ever do that? Just borrow tomorrow's problems and worries and worry about them today instead of worrying about them tomorrow? But then Jesus says this in Matthew 6, What he's telling us is this. Instead of worrying about tomorrow, put God first today. Priority. Order. Our God is a God of order. And he says, here's the order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What about my plans, Lord? They'll come somewhere down the line. But first ought to be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, talking about our needs. All of these things shall be added unto you. So a child of God is not to worry about tomorrow till tomorrow becomes today. And he said, God, today you won't have time to worry about today or tomorrow either one. God will take care of you. We know that sin can be classed into two categories, commission and omission. 
commission is doing things we know we shouldn't do. And a lot of God's people commit sins of commission. They just do things that no, they shouldn't do. Maybe skipping out on church services. Maybe something else. Maybe failing to witness. Maybe refusing to read and study their Bibles. Whatever it is. And then the other is omission. Failing to do what we know we should do. And those two categories catch us sometimes. When we get so caught up in planning and preparing for tomorrow that we refuse to consider God's will today, folks, it's evil. It's sin in the sight of God. And then he says, plan for the future according to God's providence. Matthew 6, again, guarantees that if we'll put God first, put his righteousness, put serving God first, he'll take care of our needs. We should live for God today and leave tomorrow up to him. Amen. Lord, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You've heard that saying, somebody said, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. You can live today that way. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know God will be there and I know he'll take care of me. Now, again, this is not to say we don't prepare for the future. You got children, you want them to go to college, prepare a college fund. There's some things that we need to prepare. There's some things that we just need to do. Witnessing, Bible study, I've mentioned those things. Just the work of, if you want to call it work, of walking with him daily in a deeper relationship with the Lord every day. You say, well, I, I, I trust Christ and, and you know, I, I try to do what God wants me to do, but there's such a deeper relationship to be had with the Lord. I said none of us, at the outset, none of us knows what this new year will bring. But the attitude of every child of God needs to be, I'm depending upon God who desires a close walk and deep fellowship with me and I'm willing to make a deep commitment to him for the new year. We don't need to be like those in our text who said, here's what we're going to do, regardless. And here's how it's all going to work out. And we're just going to live that way. But we ought to be saying, Lord, here are my plans. If the Lord wills. If it's your will, here are my plans. And in the meantime, you know what? I'm going to live for you. I'm just going to trust you. And live for you each and every day. Closing this message, I want to challenge you to do a few things in 2023. I believe it'll make the year better for each of us, regardless of what comes our way. Number one, spend more time with God in His Word. Make that commitment. I'm going to read through the Bible in 2023. I'm willing, and it doesn't take, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe, 30 at the most, but I'm willing to make the commitment to spend the time to read the Bible four chapters a day. And not just read it the way I read some things when I was in seminary. We were told that you have to read this book and it's a part of your final exam. I couldn't I can tell you the title. And I called every word in that book. We weren't tested over it, so I didn't have to know it all that well, but I called every word in that book. Did I read it? Well, I called words. And that's what we do with God's word a lot of times. We call words. We start reading. I like what Vance Havner said, and I think I shared this not long ago. Vance Havner talked about how the devil, when we start trying to read the Bible, the devil just pulls a shade down over our eyes. And we have to go back and read the same thing two or three times to make sure what we read. And then he said this, you don't have that problem with television, do you? 
when we get our Bible and we start trying to read, what does that say? And maybe even start to doze off a little bit while we're reading. We have to go back. I've read the same passage. Listen, I have read the same passage multiple times in one sitting, folks. Because the eyelids get heavy. But just that commitment to say, I'm going to read four chapters today and the next and the next throughout the entire year. And then spend more time in prayer for others. You know, we have some prayer requests listed on the board in the back. And below the names of people are some prayers for the church. I hope you'll pray that God, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but that God will keep Satan from causing difficulties and issues and problems in this church. We're not strong enough just in our flesh to be able to fight Satan, but God can keep Satan out of this church. Now listen, I have seen, even with some of our new members, I've seen Satan attack them personally in different things, material things mostly, but just attack them, folks. He's on the attack. We need to pray God will keep him out of this church. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to pray for ourselves. It's not selfish to pray for yourself. Lord, help me to be a better servant. Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, help me to do what you want me to do. And then you might know that I would want this one also. Commit yourself to a faithful attendance in all of the services of this church. I'll share again. If we come to Sunday school and we come to morning worship, we come back on Sunday night, we come back on Wednesday, at most that's four hours out of 168 hour week. Now using simple math, and I believe 10% is a good starting point for giving. Using simple math, that falls far short of 10% of our time given to God during the week, doesn't it? If there's 168 hours in the week, 10% is 16.8 hours. And four is a whole lot less than 16.8. But there'll be people who say, I went to church and I was there every service, so I've given God my time. You didn't even give him a tenth if you only give him four hours. There are other things to spend time in, prayer, and these other things that I mentioned in just giving God our time. Well, he has given us life. He's the one who's given us the time that we have. <laughs> Why can't we give him some of that time back. He gives us the income that we have and we're taught in order to God to give him some of that income back, right? The same is true with time. The time he's given us, we're to give back to him. So I would encourage you to do these things and I would hope for you and for this church, folks, that God will truly give us a blessed, not just a happy new year, but a God-blessed year of service in the Lord.